0: You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Jesus interprets the law of making oaths. Learn more about how to keep your promises in week 6 of our series, Redefined. We now go to our week number 6 of Redefined. And we've been talking about how Jesus was redefining the relationships that we have as Christians to our family members, to our friends, and even to the world. And as the context of this, as we've been preaching about in the, next, in the last two weeks, Jesus went out the mountain to talk to the disciples. Because the things that He would discuss here is not something that He would discuss to the world, but to the church. Because the world might not understand why Jesus was redefining it. And so He was redefining it for the uh, disciples of Christ... And saying, this is now your standard. This is now how we live. It was in a sort of manifesto. He was saying, this is now how we live as Christians. Last week, we talked about adultery. The other week, we talked about anger. And today, we'll talk about something that when I first read, I I said, wow, this is so hard to preach because it's so simple. It's something that for us, some of us in this room, we might find too trivial. But why would Jesus address it? And I know there was something there. That's why Jesus addressed it. And today we'll be looking at oath or making promises. And what God says about our words. Okay, as we make vows and promises and oath. We don't use the word oath now. But when we make promises, what are the implications? And what actually is exposed in our hearts? Jesus started dealing with it with His disciples. So if you have your Bibles with you. Turn it to Matthew 5, and we'll start at verse 33, and we'll go down till verse 37. Right, let's read it. It says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is His footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king and do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black let what you say simply what you say be simply yes or no anything more than this comes from evil very strong words again from Jesus as he was talking to his disciples he was talking about Something that we do often, and some of us are guilty of. Where we make promises, but not fulfill it. And therefore, He said, do not even make a promise, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Because once you add to the yes, and to the no, and invoking my name, nothing good comes out from that. It's all evil that comes out from it. And we'll look at this verse, and why Jesus addressed it. One of the problems we face today is what we call credibility gap among Christians. Credibility gap means, I say something, but people are actually measuring, is this true or not? Can you be trusted? With so many stories or horror stories that comes out of examples and testimonies of Christians, whether in the marketplace, or whether it's inside the church, or or in everyday interaction, people are always looking and observing. Have you ever noticed when you say in the office you're a Christian, they now look at you differently. They're saying, okay, he's a Christian. Let's see what he will do. There's a higher standard. And that's why Jesus was talking to the disciples about the words that comes out of our mouth, especially when it comes to promises or oaths that we make. Do we have credibility? When we say something, can people really trust that what we say we will do? Oh, let's meet 10.30. Do we have credibility? Do we have credibility when we say, I promise you that I will do this. Or if you're a Christian, promise to God, cross my heart, hope to die. right? Which what we would use as Filipinos. Talk is not cheap. A lot of people are saying talk is cheap. Oh, it's just talk. The reason people are saying talk is cheap is because we live in a world where there's a lot of credibility gap. We don't know who's saying who's right or wrong. Even in the court of law where you're required to put your hands on a Bible and make an oath that you would say the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. But they have two different stories of one story. That's why they say talk is cheap. But if you look at scripture, we would see that talk is not cheap. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is in our heart comes out of our mouth. And I believe Jesus was addressing the very heart of the disciples. That when you make an oath or a promise, it shows something in your heart. And He says, let me redefine it for you, so that you may be careful not to make oaths and promises, but let your yes be yes and your no be no in matthew fifteen eighteen but what comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. Now, why was this an issue before? Let me give you the context. The reason Jesus made an issue out of this is is that people were making now oaths and promises using and invoking the name of God. When you say oaths, an oath simply means a statement and calling And calling God to witness to the truth of that statement. And invoking a curse from God if in fact you're not telling the truth. So this was an oath. You see how it's contextualized in our culture. Promise to God, cross my heart, hope to die. It's an oath. I invoke the name of God, and if it's not true, then God kill me. And the reason we make oath is because we want to build credibility. Because our yes could not might not be yes, and our no might not be no. So putting God there makes it more credible. So if I say promise, you're saying, promise, promise. Yeah, promise to God. Cross my heart. Hope to die. Because they couldn't trust our yes and our no. Maybe because of an experience they have with us. Or with somebody else. Or with a believer. I am guilty of this. Among my loved ones, my daughters. Last year, We had a family talk because they had a concern. Their concern was, and I'll give you a context of where I'm coming from. I love to joke around, especially with my kids. And every time I would joke around, sometimes i put their hopes high. Like example, I would say, who wants to go to buffet? Yeah, "Yeah, no, we don't have a budget. I'm just asking. And so their hopes would go down. (laughs) Or we would drive around and we would see, oh. Look, Jollibee wants Jollibee. No, it's not healthy there. Let's just go home. So now, after years of doing this, no, the worst, okay, I'll confess, the worst thing that ever happened was, I got an old iPhone box. Man, this is bad. And I told my daughter, Ayana, Daddy has a gift for you. I saw her eyes lit up when the iPhone box came out. She was so happy. <laughs> my wife was so mad. It was like she was fuming but controlling it because she doesn't want to get, she doesn't want to smack me in front of the kids. Okay. <laughs> so my daughter opens the box and she finds the instruction manuals of the iPhone. And because I knew I was in hot water, I just had to tweak it a bit, uh, a bit and said, You know, by faith. (laughs) But what I didn't realize was I scarred her really bad. I know it was a joke. It was a bad joke. Add to it the Jollibee and the buffets and all the, you know, we're going to... yeah? No, just joking. Just testing. Two of them, my two daughters, were so wounded that they, last year... When I would say something serious, they wouldn't put their hopes high because they think maybe he's just joking. So with this family talking, they were actually crying. (laughs) I was inside, I was laughing, but you know, I, I felt convicted. And I said, "Okay, from this day on." This was last year, when Daddy says something, and you guys said yes. We're going. So when daddy says, we're going to buffet! Even if I don't mean it, we're going. So since that day, I've never talked to my daughters. Right? (laughs) (laughs) We now have a very good relationship. (laughs) So whether it's, we're going to Jollibee in Tagaytay. If I say it and they cheer on, we have to drive to Tagaytay. That's how serious the commitment was. And I knew because I've scarred them, I have to find a way to rebuild the trust. And this is what I felt like when reading Matthew 5. It was in a way very trivial, but for a lot of us, we've been scarred because of broken promises. Lies. Half-truths. Right? Expectations that were verbally expressed, but were not done All of us here, there's some scars we have because of those words. Talk is not cheap. Talk is very expensive, I know. Because now I, I need to fulfill what I say. Now, people would invoke the name of God in the New Testament and say, promise to the temple of Jerusalem. Or promise to God. Because they've come to a point where there was so much credibility gap that they now need to invoke the name of God. Their yes was no longer a yes, and their no was no longer a no. So people didn't really know, so now they used the name of God actually in vain because they're invoking the name of God. Now, in the Old Testament, taking oaths or making an oath or a promise is something that's practiced. Numbers 30 verse 2, and there are numerous verses of people taking oaths, a man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. This was a verse that was used to me by a pastor, not from Victory. When I made a commitment, when I was 13 years old, that I want to go to full-time ministry, he went up and he told us this verse, guilt trip us. So now I'm a pastor. Because I could not break the vow that I made. Vows are made, and once vows are made, you need to fulfill it. That's why adultery is a big thing for the Lord. Because you made a marriage vow before your spouse, and if you break it, you're not a man of your word. Or a woman of your word. So let me illustrate to you why Jesus made this an issue. In John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the way, the truth. He's the truth. John eight forty four. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is the truth. Satan is the father of lies. We are the people of... You fill in the blanks. I cannot answer for you. Are we people of truth or is there deceit in our hearts that when we say something, we might actually be lying? This is very big. Because for Jesus, your identity now as my child is that your father is the truth. You are no longer the father of... Your father is not the devil, who is the father of lies. You are now belonging to the family that that celebrates and values truth. In 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 2 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, I write so that you may know how to... You ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. What that means is, when Jesus said, I am the truth, and Satan is the father of lies... Now, as your father, you are now children of truth, and therefore the church, us, we, the church of, the church of God, we are now the pillar and the foundation, or the or the or the ground of truth. What Jesus was basically saying is that your yes is as binding as an oath. That's why you don't need to invoke my name and say promise to God, because when you say promise, it's it's good. It's done. It's a done deal, because you're a Christian. When you say no, it means no. When you say yes, it means yes. I know this would challenge our very culture, where we're not as direct. Will you go to the party? No. Eh, oh. Yes or no? Uh, yes. Okay, I'll prepare. Huh? Yeah. Okay, okay. And then you don't show up because you can actually say no. Because you feel like saying no would offend them. And by saying yes, you won't offend them. But they went to the grocery prepared for you and you did not go. You actually offended them also. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. As the church, we are the foundation of truth. Imagine the image that God has given us as Christians. That I embody truth. When I say something, I stick to it. When I say I'll marry you till death do us part, I stick to that commitment. When I say I'll work hard, it means I'll work hard. When I sign a contract, it's the truth. In short, we don't even need contracts. Of course, we do have contracts now. But as a Christian, my word is as good as the contract. Jesus was saying, you're going now to live in a different level of integrity because you're Christians. You don't even need to invoke my name because your yes is a yes and your no is a no. And we stick to it because we are children of the truth. How are we on this department, on the truth department? Are our words binding? Were you on my way to the bathroom to take a bath? How do you do in work? Do you have credibility and integrity in work? Can you be trusted when you say something? When you Google your name, what comes out? is Skandal. Or do you have a high level of integrity that your name is actually good, it smells good to the world because you've kept yourself in integrity? The problem was the Pharisees, being Pharisees, started reconstructing what oaths and promises are and they made man-made rules about it. And so Jesus had to address this. For the Pharisees, the Pharisees made up a dumb law, which Jesus said it was actually very dumb, because the Pharisees told the people, if you make an oath or a promise, and you promise to the temple, uh, it means nothing. But if you promise to the gold of the temple, then it means something. So, example, if I say to my wife, I promise I will give you 5,000 pesos today. I promise to the temple. That doesn't bind my word. But if I say, I promise to the gold of the temple, then that, that is binding. In short, the Pharisees were making vows or oaths meaningless. I need, to, I need to invoke a lot of names and a lot of sacred things to make this credible But to say yes or no might not be true. Jesus addressed it in Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. Jesus was so mad. You blind fools. Woe to you. What are you doing? Putting all these rules to say that this is true, this is binding, this is not. You say confirm, it's not confirmed. But if it's confirmed, it's confirmed. You see? And that's a new rule we're having now among millennials in our, in our culture. Confirm, by unconfirm. Confirm, okay, he's going. You see? We're adding. So if I put the name of God, it adds more credibility. Promise to God. But if I say promise, ah, not sure. He did not use God But promise to God is different. But Jesus redefined, you don't invoke my name. Nothing good comes out from that. It's all evil when you invoke my name. Why? Because you're trying to build your credibility by using my name in vain. Why can't your yes be yes and your no be no? Why put my name there? You're Christians. Your word should be binding as an oath. So singles, how do you test your boyfriend if he's cheating? You know how? You ask the question, are you cheating? What's the name of the girl? And if the boyfriend says, I'm not cheating, promise to God, hope to die. uh, Across my heart, hope to die. You know he's cheating. He's invoking the name of God. Because he can say straight to your face, yes or no. He needs to invoke the name of God. How are you with your walk with God? You know, promise, I promise to God. I'm really okay. So why are you making a promise to God? Because you don't have credibility. That's why you invoke the name of God. You attach your word to a name because you know your yes is not a yes and your no is not a no. I want you to review your interactions, everyday interactions. How's your word? Are you truthful in your words? In the message version, it says, And don't you say anything you don't mean. The counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it. Or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. My viber is full of that. Oh, rushing to the hospital. Praying, 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 praying. The thread, praying, 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 praying. How many do actually pray? That's why I don't put praying. I put prayed. I only answer when I pray. If I don't answer, sorry, I did not pray for you. I forgot. In Facebook, right? We put all those on the thread, trying to look religious. Saying, you know, I'm with you, I'm one with you, but have you really prayed? Sometimes we put religious talk to add credibility so that we look good. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lays. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. When you start putting in too many religious words into it, subtly you're saying, because my words don't have any credibility. That's why I have to lace it with so many religious words. Jesus was addressing the heart. He wasn't really just addressing the words. Because when we make promises and our heart is deceitful, and there's malice and deceit in the heart to not really do it, whether I put and invoke the name of God, I will not do it. Because in my heart, I'm not right. In my heart, There is deceit. In my heart, I want to fool you. And to make it softer, all I do is I put the name of God so that you might not feel offended. But really in my heart, there's a goal to deceive you. So Jesus was saying, just say yes or no and don't invoke my name or any sacred things. A very simple message, right? But again, I want you to look at your interactions daily and your conversations. How many times have you broken your word? How many times promises were broken because you were saying it, but you're not meaning to do it? Now, how do we apply this? I've got five questions you need to ask. Number one, are you trustworthy? Trustworthy. Are you worthy to be trusted? When I give something to you, are you trustworthy? Just like the example of Dave, when he wanted to be a campus missionary, and we told him, and he said, this is one problem, I'm not yet fully paid in in uh, in college. So we told him, for you to be trustworthy as a campus missionary, you've got to pay off your college debt. So he started working, cleaning fish and aquariums, right? He started saving up and going to the university every other month, every time this money would pay little by little. Why? Because he wanted to be trustworthy. Okay? And that was a test. Because he passed the test, he's now our campus director. Because we know... This guy can be trusted. He will not run away with a small amount of money. And you know, he is a good steward of the finances that God is giving him. Aside from being a hard worker. And because of the muscles that he has built through time, he now leads our campus ministry here. I know for sure that when I say, Dave, can you take lead in our campus and I give it to Him, I do not need to micromanage His character and His integrity because He's shown He is a man of integrity. Trustworthy. Young people today, I know and I notice a lot of young people today are very talented. Talent will take you someplace, but it won't take you to the highest place. Character will. Okay. Not just talent a character. Many talented people are no longer around because there's no character. They're not trustworthy. Second, are you reliable? Can we rely on you? Can your wife rely on you that you won't cheat? Can your parents rely on you that when they pay the tuition, you will study? Can the church rely on you that when God gives you a gift, you will be a good steward of the gift? And the talents that he has given you. Reliable. Are you reliable? Trustworthy? Next is unified. Unified means bo Integrity came from the word integer, which means a whole number. There's no holes. It means I'm unified. Like in our church, we're unified. When we say something, we do it. We're, there's unified. Example. No borrowing of money in victory groups. We're unified. All our leaders know that. So if somebody wants to victimize somebody in victory groups and started borrowing money, what would the victory group leader do? Oh, that's wrong. You're destroying relationships by borrowing money. And you jump from one group to the other. Because we're unified in our integrity and, in our, and that we value relationships here more than money, you know that you will get church discipline because you're not to be trusted because you keep asking for money when you should be working and you should be doing something about it. And we, should, we could help you, but we can't always give you doll-outs. Unified. Standards. S. Yes. The reason people trust other people or organization is because there's a set of standards. Just like the example of my kids going to McDonald's and they want to order cheeseburger. You know that the cheeseburger in Green Hills is the same as the one in Pampanga and General Santos in Hong Kong. The standards are the same. That's why you trust McDonald's. Even if it's not good for your health. right? Because it's the same standard. That's why you trust that when we say the service starts at 11 a.m., We start at 11 a.m. Because if you can trust us with your time, do you think you can entrust us with your kids and the gospel and the mission of the church? Unified standards. Standards would help build the credibility of a person. In the same way as a Christian, we are given biblical standards that you need to know and live out. Matthew 5 is a chapter on... Some of the standards that Jesus redefined for us standard and lastly truthfulness are you truthful that when you say something it's a truth it's not the more we ask you the stories will become different did you know it's so easy to spot a liar it's so easy I've been a pastor for how many years? We know who's lying and who's not lying. Even the greatest liars we know. Because as you keep asking the same question, the stories would change. Because you cannot keep up with the lie. It just becomes different. And different, and different, and different. And you just know he's lying. Even with all the tears and the drama, I'm not lying. It's just obvious. Even without the evidence. That you're lying. Truthful. Are you truthful? Trustworthy. Reliable. Unified. Standard. Truthful. Do you have all these five in your daily interactions and experience? Whether it's at home, in the workplace, in the campus. Can you be trusted? Now, as we end, again, this is In a way, very self-explanatory. If you look at Matthew 5, 33 to 37, I want us to reflect today. And I want us to make actions just the same way we've been making actions the past two weeks. Some of you here, you might be in the process just like me when I was building my integrity once again to my daughters. And it would take time. It did take time for me. Uh, And some of you, you might have those, the same experiences. Maybe not with your family, but with a friend, a business partner, right, where you were not living in, in, in 100% integrity over transactions and conversations you had. Or maybe even with God in your faith. When you say one thing, but you live out in another way, it is not being truthful. So I want us to pray right now. Can we just all bow down our heads and let's pray? And let's ask the Lord. In what areas is the Lord exposing to you? If there's any deceit in your heart or any excuses you're trying to make to soften the sin because you feel it's trivial, it's not as important, or they will understand even if I made the promise and I was not able to do it. Or maybe you're here today and your yes is no longer a yes for some people. And there's a credibility gap. Today, I want you to come to the Lord and say, Lord, may I start with a clean slate. I repent. Lord, I turn away from any lies, any deceit. I want you to say sorry to the Lord for any relationship." That has been affected. If you know that there are relationships today that have been affected, whether you're in the right or in the wrong, but because you were not truthful and there were lies, half truths along the way, I want you to come to the Lord and ask the Lord for forgiveness. I want you to pray that you would start to rebuild again the, the bridge. the trust may be regained. Lord, you said that if we worship, you're looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, you said in Timothy, we are the pillars of truth. It means our word is our bond. So I pray today By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, as you have redefined what it means to make vows and promises, and what a yes really means and what a no really means, Lord, I pray today, give us the power to live out our lives in integrity and in truth. I pray, Jesus, that you would remove any deceit in our hearts. Lord, any intention, Lord, to to not fulfill what we have said in the past. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will be men and women of our word. That when we say something, we will do it. Sometimes to our own inconvenience. But Lord, we need to do it because we said so. So I pray, Lord, today, Lord, that as people would see us, your church, They would say, that is an epitome of truth, that is a man and a woman of integrity. So I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, do your work in us. Convict us in small ways, in big ways, through our conversations and our interactions, whether small talks or big talks we have, Lord, among people. May we always embody truth. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.